folks, I'm sorry for the little delay here in terms of the phone, but as of right now, I'm I'm in the process of moving my mobile around my room around, so it's not in the process of being in the uh, spirit of how it used to be. But hopefully, within the next, like, say, episode or two, maybe by season four. I don't know if I do have a season four yet. But as of right now, welcome back. This is episode nine, season three. I know I've done this so many times. I've, I've lost count already. But joining me today is a theatrical actor, wrestler, named Hamlet Kirchhoff, if you. Hamlet Hersio. Yes. You pronounce uh, the T too much in the hurt, then I hurt you. But it's, if, if we can get the nice resounding Hersio, then we're, we're set. Hersio. Hersio. Perfect. It, 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 I have a love and hate thing with Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare, but I also hate him because it's it's the way pronunciation is sometimes. But sure. But in turn, but I know. Uh, so yeah, Hamlet. Uh, how did you become engrossed in the performing arts? So um, when I was a teenager um, in high school, I was in a pre-college level. Um, acting program um, that was a pre-college conservatory program and in those four years I spent a lot of time um, studying Shakespeare, studying different forms of theater and by the time I got to college um, I got into uh, the Purchase Theater Conservatory of Arts and um, they had a new program that was being developed which involved um, all aspects of theater um, within the conservatory and I could do acting, directing, writing. And um, it was in my time at Purchase that my imagination really developed and the skills and knowledge that I had attained within my pre-college conservatory program and at Purchase um, kind of all came to fruition by my junior year. Um, yeah. And in my sophomore year of college, I worked with um, Lenora Champagne, who um, is a professor at NYU. She's one of the founding um, members of solo performance in New York City. Um, and uh, I studied under her for a little while. And um, I, within her class, her solo class, I came up with this idea, which was essentially my story in terms of my love for wrestling, my love for storytelling, and my love for Shakespeare. And within this kind of 15 minute segment that I did at the end of her class, um, she was so enthralled by my story and the things that I wanted to accomplish and pursue that she immediately was on my side in terms of, look, I think this is something you need to develop. I know that by the end of your time here, you're going to have to develop a thesis and, and pitch an idea to do for um, your degree. And I think this is something that you might want to look into pursuing. So it was at that time in my sophomore year that I really started diving into myself and kind of taking everything that I've learned and, and became up to that point. And I formed this story called the Renaissance of Wrestling, which is, I'm sorry, Renaissance of the Ring, um, oh, okay. which is um, my story, which is basically the story of a performer that has a love for wrestling and a love for Shakespeare and finds himself in this limbo land of he can become the character and the, the dream of everything he wants to accomplish within wrestling. But um, at the same time with the 
stereotypes and the um, opinions that um, society in itself today has of wrestling, where do I, as a character, as a person, as a performer, fit in? And Renaissance of the Ring was this solo story that I told as my thesis um, to uh, the school. And um, when I was finished, the board of study um, that was not necessarily super supportive of the idea. I wanted to take a wrestling ring and put it in, into one of their theaters. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I wanted to I basically have- I can um, imagine how well that went. Uh, I, I need a, a wrestling ring for my, uh, for my uh, production. Yeah. Wrestling ring, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, and again, this is, this is purchased. This is um, one of um, the most recognized uh, theater art schools in New York, yeah. in the country. And um, here's a board of study, like I said, Lenora Champagne, um, uh, Gary Waller, Shakespearean scholar, who was a professor at Oxford and the former president of the school, uh, David Bassick, former head of the Theater Arts Conservatory. These were all people that were very um, concerned about the projects and things that were gonna be um, coming out of this class because when I first got to purchase um, this uh, degree that I was pursuing was a new degree within the conservatory. So the first class that was coming out with the degree, they were very concerned about, um, you know, we want to make sure that everybody's putting out legit work that could develop into something. So yeah. when I pitched my idea, the, the board was very kind of um, on the fence about it, but the school itself, the community was incredibly supportive and yeah. um, without the support of the community, and a few of the members of the board, like Lenora and Gary and David, um, that really believed in me and what I was doing. Um, I, not, I would have necessarily not been approved because there was only a handful of theaters, only a handful of um, slots available. And uh, the performance slots were obviously very um, uh, treasured because not everyone can have access to doing all these things. But um, the community was incredibly supportive. I had a lot of people backing me. And fortunately enough, I was granted uh, permission to take control of the space, get a ring in there and do my thing. So now up until this point, I have uh, my pre-college conservatory education. I have my education at Purchase and I am very grounded in myself as a performer and the stories I want to tell. But the one thing that I hadn't done up to that point is train as a wrestler. Yeah. So within my junior year of college, once I knew that this was the direction that I really wanted to take, um, I started with Johnny Rods at the World of Unpredictable Wrestling and uh, being a Hall of Fame wrestler who wrestled with Hulk Hogan and the Million Dollar Man and just you name Andre the Giant, I can go on and on and on. Yeah. Um, he was one of the, uh, the um, mainstays of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation back in the day before it became the WWF, before it became the WWE and what it is today. So to be able to um, have the respect and the... Um, and the, uh, not permission, but the, the guidance of this man as I was going from my junior year into my senior year, trying to really own my skills as a physical wrestler and understand how I'm going to take all of these elements and include them in my story at purchase and kind of tell everything I wanted to tell. Yeah. And um, within that first year of training, um, I really started understanding what it is that I bring to the table and the things that make me unique as a wrestler, as a performer. And once I had um, finished my degree and I did Renaissance of the Ring at Purchase, the turnaround of um, the board of study was just beyond, uh, 
beyond inspirational. You know, I had like yeah. a second handful of people in my corner, but um, the full board had to come to a preview performance that I did before it was open for my four day run at the school. And um, it was the board of study with a handful of people that were allowed to come in. And I remember at the end of the performance, um, I was standing outside the ring drenched in sweat from everything I had just done. And the board formed like a half circle around me and they're all looking at each other saying, does anybody have any notes or any comments or concerns about uh, moving forward? And they were all just like looking at each other, jaws dropped and they left the theater, hugging me individually drenched in my sweat. And that was such a win because it was oh, such a... It was such a struggle to be able to be understood as the performer, as the wrestler, and to have my my dreams and my um, my goals uh, understood by them. And then to have them sit in the space and see everything just from point A to point B and have them leave understanding and appreciating and um, indulging me to take this forward. That, yeah. was the, that was the nail on the coffin for me that like the last few years that I've been here that I've been developing this idea and kind of finding who I am as a performer this is the end-all be-all of now I, I know where I am and where I want to be and that was the point where the theater background combined with the wrestling and um, once I graduated it was um, my goal to really take Renaissance of the Ring as its own piece and find a way to bring it back that would have um, a grand reception and uh, support. But um, obviously, as I'm sure you're aware and a lot of performers are aware, it's very hard to find spaces that are suitable for what you want to do, especially yeah. if you want to put a wrestling ring in a theater in New York. I mean, that's just like astronomical in terms of uh, dreams and goals. I mean, so, you could, you could, you could uh, find a theater of your choice and see if the theater is large enough to actually put a wrestling ring in it and actually mm -hmm. try to do, you know, one man show inside that, you know, space. But when you're also trying to, because where it boils, that, where it boils down to is one location, two, if that location fits the space, three, finding a wrestling ring, ring that actually fits that location, because you could do it in a black box and a black box could be- a Black box would be ideal in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, it could be ideal, but at the same time, a black box could, you know, be legitimately be not as high as you could be because a Russian ring is a pretty big. Sure. Yeah. No. The the rays is significant. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have to find at least that's why it's always like location always matters, and then finding the location, and then finding that location, price always matters too, and then you have to uh, configure a fact of getting a wrestling ring that is perfect for the location but also perfect for the the budget you're usually using do because absolutely we see what purchase i've seen a theater at purchase because my one of my friends steven he actually graduated from Purchase uh, with a i think yeah he graduated from Purchase with a lightning design uh, like he was a lightning design major there so yeah, the lighting, their lighting program is phenomenal yeah, and I've seen the stage at Purchase, and it's like, it, it's very great. It's like very spacious and gracious. And I'm just like, okay, it's like you could probably fit wherever on there, and you would still have enough room to have like another cell on there just to be on the safe side. Yeah. So, yeah. And I've seen uh, the clip. Well, I, I don't think it's a clip, but I think it's a music video of the Renaissance of the Ring on YouTube. and. It looks phenomenal because you do your, like it starts off with you in the ring as well as the Hamburg character. 
And then as the music video goes by, you just switches into, uh, uh, you appear as Stone Cold, and I'm just like, wait, it's like I turn my head for a second. I'm like, wait, is this, wait, is this our, our wait, is this our, our, a match now? It's like, is, is he fighting the Stone, is someone dressed as Stone Cold? And then I realized, no, oh, wait, wait, that is him. And I'm like, and you do the whole beer thing too, is like, and I'm like, okay, this is an inventive. And uh, I kind of wish I could actually see the whole video because I've seen solo work before because my, College at Brooklyn College has an excellent cello performance work done by my comedy professor, one of my favorite professors there, Emmanuel Sirens. And he's able to do so much to do with people's solo work because solo work, because I would see things that would go on like maybe five minutes, 10 minutes. But with you, you said, oh, it's a 15 minute thing. and solo work especially if you're doing a one-man show that's literally like people have done romance shows like john legrizano you know mm -hmm. you know stuff like him he's done like an hour and a half close to two hours of just solo performance well the show in itself was about an hour and 15 minutes the, the oh wow yeah the video clip to be honest it would have gone longer but that was my that was my deadline um so the week of the show i turned in my script and um they were like in theory, this is going to run longer. This is going to run about an hour and a half. And um, it was only really the, um, the finish because at the end, so being that it was a solo performance, again, in general, it's entirely me the entire time. But within the story, I had wrote um, three characters that sit ringside along with the audience that sometimes get involved in a way that their presence affects what's happening, but it's still me. And then by the end of the performance, one of the characters that's present um, actually gets involved and is <laughs> a part of the wrestling match with me. And uh, the way I viewed it at the time is while he's a specific character, I'm in theory wrestling myself because the whole story is me struggling with the idea of having my dreams and the goals and things I want to pursue, but also the fear of not being understood in this world, not being um, accepted as a legitimate part of this world. And yeah. that internal conflict comes out as a physical story between me and the guy I was working with. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was, it was an incredible time. And like you were saying before, uh, it's, it's doable to find the right space and the right place and the right time. Um, but being that uh, Renaissance of the Ring is essentially just me and a handful of people, like to find the um, the investments and the production that would yeah. really have everything come to fruition the way it was is very difficult. In some se in some cases, when you have a large crew or um, a, a real team that's really there with you, everyone's working towards the same goal, and that that community support is a little bit more. Um, uh, incentivizing in terms of making sure you're getting where you need to go. The fact that Renaissance of the Ring was just me and a handful of people that I wrote into it. Um, so by the time I graduated and I had this support from the board of study in the community saying, hey, look, you got to get this out there. By the time I left, it was really just me, myself, and I, like knocking on doors, being like, hey, look, how do I, how do I find a way to make this work? Um, and uh, it was in the pursuit of that that I realized, you know, between the response that I would get from people who came to the show who don't have any association with wrestling and um, don't necessarily like Shakespeare. I had people coming up to me 
from all backgrounds and all walks of life uh, in the first couple of days after I had finished, um, as everyone was leaving the school, finding me in the, in the, you know, in the, the lunch area or wherever, just saying, you know, oh my God, Hamlet, I, I came to your show and I'm not even a part of theater, but just the fact that your story resonated with me so much, the insecurity and the fear I have about the things I want to pursue leaving school, I, I know I have to do it now just because there was something in, in that moment that you connected with me. And that was, that was more than I could have asked for. I mean, like having the board turn around and respect wrestling and respect what I wanted to do, that was a win enough to say, look, this is where I want to go. But the fact that there were some community uh, of the students coming up to me at random points throughout the last couple of days saying, look, this resonated with me so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was, how do I, how do I get to the next level and, and make the return of Renaissance of the Ring what I believe it could be? And then it became, I need to take myself as the character, as the performer, as the wrestler and go out and have people see me in this world and understand what I do in this world. And through that attraction and that attention and that um, connection that I make with them, bring them back down the road to the rebirth of Renaissance of the Ring. And that's when in that last six months to a year that I finished school, I just was all out, look, this is what I want to do. This is the, the world I want to live in. And I was dedicated and I haven't turned back since. Um, and the last five years have just been me doing everything I can to make Hamlet as legitimate and accepted as a wrestler and performer as I can. Um, and it's, it's been a wild ride up to this point and I wouldn't change it. So that's kind of how the, yeah. the fear molded into the wrestling and then, um, as far as a character um, within Renaissance of the Ring, I was always Hamlet. Hamlet was was me, but in terms of um, names and uh, monikers and things like that, there was always an evolution. Um, like when I started training, Johnny Rods gave me a name that I used while I was working. And while that name wasn't Hamlet, it was me. Um, yeah. And you get to a certain place where you want to be able to um, have whatever, whatever position or story you're being put into work. And you find a way to make the things you bring to the table work with whatever is being thrown at you. So there was a lot of um, time before Hamlet really became Hamlet Hersey, the renaissance of wrestling, where I had to evolutionize myself as the performer and fully become this living, breathing character that is my bipolar other self. Yeah. And um, it really is something that the more I've wrestled and the more I've worked, I've realized it's really something that's out of body. It's, it's, it's so me that when, the, when I go through the curtain and the bell rings, it, it literally is another form of me that comes to life. And yeah, it's, yeah, please. It, I'm not talking a lot. No, 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 it's okay. Uh, I, I like it when my guests talk more than I do, but uh, it, it's like what you're just saying. It's like the moment you get on stage, i.e., the Russian ring, it's just like there's this different vibe that's coming from you. And then the moment you're off stage, you just like, you could just feel like, oh, wow, that was like, it's like, you, as an actor, I can't explain it because you have to be on stage, but when you're on stage, it's like there's all these dis different things just firing off at the same time. And then when you walk off stage, you're just like, oh, let's give him a couple of seconds before I go back on stage, that sort of thing. Yeah. 
because I think it's because as an actor, you need to feed off of the audience, and when the audience, and when the audience loves you, they love you. When they laugh at you, they laugh at you. But when you're just you know doing a thing and they're just silently watching it, watching you, you don't know if they're like liking you or not. So it's like it's very like that. Absolutely. But as a wrestler, you have to feed off of the crowd because as a baby face. The baby face, you know, you have to win a match if you're the baby face. But if you're the heel, you're literally just sucking in all the heat and all the animosity that your crowd is just giving to you. You know, you could be the biggest asshole in the ring and they're like, boo! You know, they toss, you know, tossing chair, yeah, that sort of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when Hulk Hogan, uh, turned heel in, what was it, 96, 97? When yeah. he became Hollywood Hogan, that's a famous heel term because, you know, it's Hulk Hogan. You don't expect Hulk Hogan, the biggest baby face in the whole world, to just do up and just say, oh, you know, I'm drugs now, baby. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And just form the NWO, that sort of thing. So when you have, but that does actually lead into another question I want to bring to you. Sure. How much of theater, especially going into like, promo time because I imagine promo time is like almost like a uh, solo performance of sorts. You know, you have a mic, you may have someone staying beside you, you know, giving you, feeding you lines, well not lines, but like feeding you like what to say next. There's a story, there's a story that needs to be told and we're figuring out how that's going to go next. In terms of how theater because we both we're both kind of uh, agreeing that theater and wrestling have a, like a very interesting background because they're very interconnected like how theater and well yeah like how theater and music are interconnected there are different aspects of theater that are very interconnected to other aspects of entertainment but in because i feel like theater and wrestling they're almost similar similar because like in theater, wrestlers, well, they're, they're playing, playing in quotation marks. Uh, Thank you for the quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, playing. Uh, but wrestlers do, do wrestle, you know, they are performers and they are like, you know, actors and all that stuff. They are performers as well. And they're risking their body and limits in the ring, especially you know, especially if it's like they just happen to just do a, a 12 hour drive to the next show and they're yeah, like, absolutely 100%. Yeah, uh, I feel like I'm mis- mixing my point, but in terms of theater and wrestling, how much of the theater world actually engrosses wrestling? Because I know when you do a promo, it is almost like doing a solo performance. So I love that question, um, and it also helps me tie into some other things I want to talk about. So um, the fact that um, theater and wrestling have a lot of lines that are blurred. Um, when I finished school and I really found myself in on this path that I've been taking the last few years, um, the more I've been in it, the more I've realized that I feel so much more comfortable in this world as opposed to just the theater world as much as I love theater. And it goes really with this. Um, you know, in theater, there's stage combat and there are all these things 
that help create the illusion of this moment in time, uh, in time and space is really happening. And it's only until the suspension of disbelief is broken that you're involved and you're with it and you're emotionally connected. Um, when it comes to wrestling, there are a handful of moments that are given to you because at the end of the day, we have a story to tell. So whether it's a promo that you're doing and you have to um, have certain circumstances and elements within that promo that heighten the drama and the excitement for what's about to happen, um, those things are a combination of you as the performer, um, improvise and find yourself um, in a way that expresses the heightened excitement of this story. And then there's the match itself where there's a handful of moments that perhaps the promoter's like, hey, look, this guy does this move. I want you to work something out so this move happens. And then, uh, yeah. you know, uh, we have something going on three months from now and this guy's got to go over for setting that up for three months. So I want the match to have this type of finish so it builds to this thing that we want to do in three months. Like, those things are very theatrical because at the end of the day, those are dictated by the story that we're coming to tell. But the thing that I love that has kind of made me feel so comfortable and so grounded within wrestling as a wrestler um, is the fact that my entire life I've trained my body to be physical within a performance and it's really in the ring that um, my love for Shakespeare and performing um, is legitimized in an entirely new way because um, we live in a world today that's very different from the 80s and the 90s where yeah. wrestlers had a very specific look and a very specific way of doing their thing. Today it's a different world and that's not to say that one thing is better than the other but there's, there's a lot of different things that are happening within wrestling. So the one thing that I found a lot of joy in is when I come and I do my thing, when I step through the curtain, there's always this kind of connected, lighthearted laugh as, oh my God, I understand what's happening right now and I, I, I love this and appreciate this. And then that transfers to, oh my God, this guy is doing something that's physically intense and I, I, yeah. I don't know how to feel right now. You know, like that has been such a driving factor in me because it, it takes my love for wrestling and Shakespeare and makes people look at them in an entirely different way. And it's all associated with what I'm bringing to the table. So yeah. to answer the question in terms of what theater and wrestling is connected, there are moments where you're coming in to do the job and within the promo, you have to get certain things um, uh, explicitly um, conveyed to the audience. So they know what to expect in a sense of the heightened and the drama. And, um, the ending of the match is, is specific in terms of what it needs to build to and lead towards in the coming months of what you're developing. But everything outside of that is really the, the wrestlers coming together and saying, look, you do this and I do this. And how are we going to physically tell the best story that, um, takes the promo that we did and the finish of what this guy wants and make it everything it could possibly be. And within that, that's when the physicality happens and those moments where, you as the audience member, there is no breaking the suspension of disbelief because if you yeah. see a 250 pound man that's doing Shakespeare, throw somebody outside the ring and say, I'm the best thing you've ever seen. You're like, oh my God, where, A, where am I ever going to see anything like this? And B, how does this giant Shakespearean man uh, come to being to have me appreciate these things and, and whatever? So it's, I, I have found myself more comfortable as a wrestler because all of my education and experiences that have made me the performer I am have um, elevated me in a way that I'm, I'm very comfortable in this world in terms of what I bring to the table and the 
spontaneity and improvisation that I do in the moment that makes people that much more excited. And it's those elements that I feel lack in theater because it's so specific and so set. Obviously, you know, when you get to the theater, like yeah. uh, when you get to the show happening, um, the, the show takes a life of itself. So while oh, yeah. the director is in the back and saying, look, I want X, Y, and Z to happen. You do the rehearsal, you do the process, and then that happens. Um, yeah. By the time the show happens, it takes a life of its own, and that's when things change along the way. But it doesn't necessarily stray too far from what was set. And in wrestling, it can always change. It can always be different. And it can always be exciting. And that's yeah. what I love about it. In a way, acting and wrestling, you have to be very adaptable to the situation. Because uh, like you just said before, you can do a rehearsal, and then you can do all that stuff, and then by the time you do performance, you know, we have everything except for performance, and then during the performance, one of the actors might actually stray off to the mark that they were originally, oh, they're supposed to go stage left, but they go stage right. And then you have to figure out, it's like, okay, we'll just fall off stage right with them. And then, you know, with wrestling, it's like the same thing, because, uh, the idea is to actually give you a setting match, i.e. sell the match to a great descent. And then I, because I've seen your work with, um, uh, yeah, I've seen your work on YouTube and stuff like that. And here you are, you know, you'd, you'd be doing like a, you know, like an arm bar or something like that. And then you'd be looking at the crowd and then you'd be like, you would just go into a soliloquy like, <laughs> like that as you just like arm wrenching the guy, and I'm just like, wait a minute, this, you know, here's a big guy doing like a, you know, standing on lunch, you know, and then you're just turning to the ground, and then a second later, you're turning to the crowd and just going to do a soliloquy, just like off the top of your head. And I'm just like, that is inventive because, you know, as an actor, you, like I like I said before, as an actor, you, you have to be adaptable to this situation. To the situation because the things always change and especially in wrestling things change like on an instant something that you probably had already worked up with your with uh something you probably worked up over the day might change just before the match saying hey i know the fans was going to be you doing a moonsault but uh we have to change it because you know your opponent is not feeling well, so if you go off the top of the rope and do a moonsault, we fear he might, you know, puke or something like that. Sure. So we, we got to do something more safer to do all that. So, you know, so in adaptability, it's always a good thing, especially as an actor, because even if someone forgets their line, you could always feed them a line by just recurring another line in the process. So oh. it's so it's like it, it's because it, especially since you know it's not because you know uh, I feel like I'm stirring here. So I'm sorry, folks. No, you're fine. Uh, if someone forgets that line, you could always say the line repeatedly, not like repeatedly, you know, like do like that you always give the person next to you or something like that a little hint of what the next line is and then it's like oh yeah it's like you know if the line was like oh i gotta go to the store and they don't say i'm not gonna go to the store it's like they had that line it's like so i'm hungry so and you know why i'm hungry because i haven't eaten all day and you just start, as an actor you just get like what you just said before with improv 
it's like you know you a little improv does actually come to the, and then the actor of course you oh <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry babe you know I, I gotta go to the store so and then heads off off stage as a wrestler it's also the same thing where it's like you have to work with improvisation because improvisation is, is very key into uh, working in a match and also saving a match, depending if how bad the match is going. Because you know it could be a good match, but it also could be a bad match depending on who you're facing or or a bad match in terms of not because of pacing, because it might be because in oh we got three minutes, but the stuff that we have doesn't fit the three minutes that we you know like uh, the time. You know what I mean? A big a big thing that comes down to it, I feel that I see on a lot of different shows and in matches is, um, and it goes, it's the same thing in, in acting in that sense, is there's an objective, right? There's a major yeah. goal that needs to be accomplished, right? And within that major goal, there are all these sub-goals, right? Yeah. And um, I think a lot of time, um, whether it's conditioning, you know, because again, wrestlers are some of the best athletes in the world at what they do. Um, and I think a lot of people get confused in terms of um, some wrestlers want to look a certain way, so they train a certain way. It really isn't about that. People don't understand the, uh, the mind that you have to have um, in the ring with what's going on. And when your heart rate is up 75, 80% maximum heart rate, and your brain is still in the moment of knowing how you need to tell the story, beyond things going awry and needing to improvise, you know, to have everything go perfectly and still have the conditioning and the ability to keep your mind where it needs to be is something that is incredibly taxing and incredibly misunderstood. Um, but a perfect example of that is I just had a show um, this past weekend at uh, Test of Strength, and it was my um, it was my big return, my in-ring uh, oh, at Fight for their at Fight for Your Dreams. It's their WrestleMania show. It's their big show of the year. And um, not to go into too much detail, but uh, there was something that the that was expressed that needed to happen, and that thing didn't happen. And um, it was up to, to me to have to bring us back to a place where things yeah. could kind of fix themselves. And, uh, you know, things, things happened. And this is the world where um, the excitement and the drama and the unpredictability of what's going to happen is really based in people being able to work on the fly. So yeah. um, things go off rails so much, especially in theater. Yeah. Was, yeah. But, but especially in wrestling, like, you know, in yeah. theater, there's a, uh, there's a very set understanding of yeah. um, this is the world we're in and this is what happens. When, when you're working in wrestling and, and your work is based off of the excitement of everyone around you investing in what's happening, um, the second something goes awry or there's a moment of lackluster in a, in a build, especially towards something that is supposed to be the climax of the story you're telling, um, there's a very different understanding in our world where the intensity has to be raised, you know? And if, if something is, is happening that's taking us off kilter in terms of where we yeah. need to be, someone needs to take, take charge in raising the intensity. And a lot of times um, things aren't always agreed upon. You know, it's like, you know, you get to the back and somebody might be a little, you know, uh, uh, not too happy about the way things happen. But at the end of the day, we have a job and a story to tell. And we, our job is to make sure people go home excited and, um, happy with what they saw and ready to come back to the next show. And at the end of the day, I know this is how I feel and, and my peers feel the same way. I would much rather have the intensity and the excitement 
there and not physically feel my best after the match than have somebody come out and uh, not have the intensity where it needs to be. And we go to the back and then everyone goes home like, yeah, you know, that was okay. You know? And that's the difference between theater and wrestling is yeah. uh, we as wrestlers know this isn't ballet. You know, yeah. this isn't, this isn't boxing, this isn't MMA, but it's not a hundred percent theater. So there's this yeah. level of, we give our bodies to each other in a sense that is, um, uh, uh, we're trusting each other, but at the end of the day, we're doing it to give the person that came to the show their money's worth. So we are putting our bodies in line every time we come in the ring and more times than not things happen that, you know, really blur the lines between reality and theater. And I'm not going to lie. That's another reason that I love it so much because I, I wouldn't do something to someone that I wouldn't expect them to do back to me. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a world that is very misunderstood and, and very, uh, shaky in terms of what is theater and what is wrestling but like i yeah. said that's one of the major reasons that i'm in it so uh yeah it actually does bring me to another point with uh, theater and wrestling is that sometimes like in theater there are it, a character like such as you hamilton, hamilton yeah, just saying, <laughs> no, I, I get that i get that a lot too you'd be surprised <laughs> hamlet hurt you uh the character like you or as you said yeah a person like yourself when you come out to the ring and you have a, a skull, you know, you're carrying a skull, old Paul York, or is it York or York? York. York, okay, because I'm always making, I'm, I'm partly dyslexic. Uh, and you're, you know, you're, you know, coming to the ring, you're talking to the skull, and then it's very almost comedic sometimes. It's like, Absolutely. yeah. And like you have this comedical aspect in your thing where it's like, oh, you have the skull, and it's like, oh, like, this character's like Shakespeare, and it's like, you, you do a little sequeloquy sometimes in Bill of the Ring or something like that, and then you do your wrestling stuff, and like, oh, wow, this guy isn't playing around, and then, you know, I, I, I forgot what I was watching, but I was watching a match where, it might have been a, a highlight reel, but I was watching a, a match where you were using the, like, you literally had the skull, you're talking to the skull, and then five seconds, like, a quick moment later, you literally just skull against someone's head it goes you're why <laughs> so in terms of what and okay this might be a little like a hot topic in terms of wrestling now because they're because wrestling now it's odd because comedy wrestling seemed to be a little hand in hand also it's like there are comedy uh i won't say like comedy acts but there are mm, uh I don't want to say like wrestlers, but people who are inspired by wrestling who try and do like the comedy stuff within wrestling. So they may not be wrestlers, but they also may be wrestlers. Sure. You see like the comedy aspect in wrestling working for the past, because I know for the past couple of years it has been workable, but now I feel like the comedy and wrestling thing has sort of come. Uh, had, uh, like almost like it's still there, but it's not like there anymore. So like the like in theater, there are people who do comedy, but it's like the comedy plays, especially uh, yeah, the comedy plays they they do, you know they still do well. It's just that people love more dramatic work and stuff like that. And but yeah, it, it, in your uh, expertise or at least in your 
Yeah, in your point of view or expertise, have you seen like the comedy style wrestling going away or is it still like there? It's a great question. So that's I, a long-winded long <laughs> question just to think, hey, is comedy wrestling still a thing? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's all good. So I, I feel like there's always going to be niche needs, right? There's always going to be an audience that, that wants a certain um, story and comes for that story. And um, I feel like within a wrestling show, there are opportunities for different styles. Like one match could be a strong style hitting match. Another style could be a comedy match. You know, another match is designed to get um, one person over the other. There's, there's all different forms. I feel like every match has its own place on the card, right? Yeah. So within that card, I feel like there is room for comedy. But the problem is that um, above the comedy needs to be legitimacy. Yeah. So um, a lot of comedy gimmicks, I feel, lose the legitimacy because they push the comedy too much. And yeah. in that sense, your suspension of disbelief is gone from the minute because if I can't invest and believe in you and what you're doing, then why am I here? I came to have my suspension of disbelief put you know, in a place where I can enjoy and believe in what you're doing. So with that said, I, I feel like there is a need for, not a need, there is a place for comedy wrestling. And, yeah. and, and as I really first started developing Hamlet within my, uh, I wanna say 2017, 2018, I pushed the comedy a lot because yeah. I, I wanted to um, push what everyone around me was saying worked best, right? So yeah. in a world where absolutely no one knows you, like what's gonna be the thing that remembers you? And on wrestling shows all the time, you see moves done, you know, uh, 10, 12 people do the same move, you know, cause yeah. it happens. So, you know, it's, and especially if the person in that match that does that move is building it as a big move, unless it's something that's specific to your character and your, you know, gimmick, um, it's gonna be forgotten. And it's gonna be the one person that has a strong character or works that move into their character that is remembered. And then no matter how many times they see the move, they're gonna remember that guy because that guy made it work for his gimmick. So yeah. when I first started really pushing Hamlet, I really did push a lot of the comedy because I wanted to exemplify the things that I felt were working for my character. But the more that I played with comedy, the more I realized that there are certain things that I bring to the table that a lot of comedy wrestlers don't have. And that's yeah. just, you know, it, it's not a fault on anyone. It's just, you know, some, yeah, some, some people have some things and some people don't. So I, I had this development and evolution of a comedy style character that really was a more amped up version of me and, and the intensity that I want to bring. Yeah. And that's when I started to find the balance between comedy working and tragedy. And I think, the best stories have elements of both, right? Yeah. Because you can't have too much drama without a little bit of lightheartedness, and you yeah. can't have too much lightheartedness without a little bit of seriousness, you know? So that's why your namesake is so great. Of uh, it's like I had to do a, a Hamlet. Like I don't say like paper. Well, not, not like a thesis paper. I think it was a thesis paper, but it was like a, a research paper, and I had to you know research Hamlet and all that stuff. And there's so much like tragedy in that play and then there's like moments of levity where it's like oh he meets the you know the grave diggers and then mm -hmm. uh, meets uh rosen it's like there's rosa gilden uh, rosa and gildenstern yeah, yeah you got it. gildenstern you yeah, know you and then there's like these 
and then they have moments like, oh, you know, uh, Athena's this like she was. I'm like, holy, yeah, I, you know, uh, you know, Hamlet talking to his father, father was not that. Polonius is Polonius is random speech of just saying all these things. Like, there's, yeah. there's certain things that you're just kind of like, okay. And it's like what you just said before. You have to. Uh, Shakespeare has like a great sense of blending both tragedy and comedy at the same time. And his, you know, uh, I forgot the name of the term, but it's like those the comedy tragedy stories it does. Uh, are very a oh, well and, and oh wait they, they might be a separate thing i'm sorry folks <laughs> i haven't done shakespeare in a while so i forgot a lot of this stuff but forgive me will <laughs> <laughs> i don't want the ghost of william shakespeare you're just like sorry, i'm gonna i'll tell i'll tell you to put in a good word for you so so the ghost thank of you all your dreams <laughs> thank you but yeah uh and it's the same thing when we talk about with our, uh, that interconnectability is that wrestling does have those moments of levity where it's just like hilarious to watch. And then you have these moments of tragedy where it's like the people that you want to win, they don't win. And they have to go. And, you know, it's like John Cedar, you know, he has lost a couple of times in my, uh, he may have lost a couple of times. Yeah, he has lost. Everyone, everyone wins and loses. Every yeah. Day. And, yeah. Yeah. When you have someone who wins and is the person that you don't want to win, you're at, that builds that animosity back towards what we were just talking about before, especially you know, character-wise, especially as the bad guy. You want that animosity because you don't because the crowd does not want you to win. And when you win, you're just like like they hate you even more, but they still love you even more because you won the match. Because they've seen you as a, okay, this guy is a credible worker. But at the same time, I have to hate him because, you know, he <laughs> yeah. wasn't the person that I wanted to win. So, yeah, there is, in wrestling, there is that, like the same thing when I'm out of theater, there is that level of both where it's like the comedy does work. But you also have to interject it with the tragedy, too, where it's like the hero does not win at the end of the day. And I was like, you can't ride off into the sunset when the sunset is just on the villain's shoulders now. It's not the Absolutely. Uh, a little anecdote just to pick up off that, because I know you were mentioning that you 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 appreciated and saw how I would, you know, do my thing and then put somebody in a in a hold and then start yeah. soliloquies, right? So to go off the element of having tragedy and comedy within the story, um, one thing that I've enjoyed is when I'm when I'm super in my group and aware, um, and I know who I'm working with and the story we're telling. What I love to do is I like to take different monologues and different soliloquies from different plays and <laughs> put them into the context of what's happening right now and then completely change the way the words are being interpreted by the audience. So like um, on Sunday, I wrestled in um, Marvel, New York and I uh, had one kid in a chokehold and um, I started doing um, the Hamlet speech, oh, that this tutu solid flesh would melt all and resolve itself into a do. And anyone who knows the play knows that in that moment, Hamlet is talking about himself. He's wishing that he would die. He would just melt into the floor because he's so depressed and anxious about not knowing how his father died, his father's dead, whatever's happening. Within the moment of the wrestling, in this moment, I am using those words, that monologue, to talk about my opponent and that this two, two solid flesh, this 
this guy that's here, he is going to melt and thaw and he is going to go on this. And like little things like that, that completely change the way people understand Shakespeare, understand um, the context of what's being said is also just another like lighthearted thing that I enjoy. Because in that moment, someone who has no idea about Hamlet or the play will understand the words in that context if they do hear them. And maybe yeah. that's enough to get them interested to kind of figure out what's really going on here. Maybe not with Shakespeare, but with me. And then the more they see me and understand that that's how I include my things into my work, um, they're more intrigued by the whole concept in general. Have you had people uh, like after a show come up to you who's like, hey, you know, I, I hate you during the match, but I love that style of the thing. And I think you got me into Shakespeare. Like, have you people, have you gotten people who was like, I haven't understood Shakespeare in a while, but now I kind of want to like, get Absolutely. back to Shakespeare? Absolutely. So um, I, uh, before the pandemic hit, um, I was- Which we'll talk about in a couple of moments. Now that, now that you mentioned the pandemic, I was like, I haven't talked about the pandemic so much yet. But yeah, I've, I've definitely, I've definitely had um, people, and you'd be surprised. Like I have, I have kids. Um, I, I'll do shows, and uh, and I'll and I'll be the bad guy. Like I'll play, I'll play that part, right? And then I'll have kids come up to me after the show and like want to hug me, hold the oar. <laughs> Aww. The, yeah, it's it, but it's it's just it's 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 so rewarding and it's so kind of off because it's like the the people that are old enough to kind of understand what's happening. Um, they're they're very set in like like you said like I love you but I just I hate you you know and like kids that have no real understanding of uh, of Shakespeare in that context have kind of come up to me and and have a whole new uh, um, not appreciation but just like a whole new um, curiosity about Shakespeare yeah and, uh, one of the um, one of the guys that um, I trained with a long time ago this is like three four years ago. Uh, his sister was like in the third grade or something like that. And um, uh, his family had come to one of the shows and um, they had seen me in one of my matches. And uh, he had told me later that his sister was in her class or something and they had a pop quiz of some kind. And uh, like, they weren't supposed to know the answers to any of these questions. It was kind of like <laughs> a joke quiz. But her sister, his sister answered one of the questions about Shakespeare because the, the t question was like, oh, uh, who said this quote? And she was like, oh, that's Hamlet. And then, and then the teacher was floored because she said, how'd you know that? She's like, oh, I went to one of my brother's wrestling shows and I saw this guy Hamlet. And the teacher was like, what? what? So, like, little things like that are incredibly rewarding. And then um, I know you're going to ask about it, so I won't go into it right now. Yeah. But when I was in Canada as well, I, I got to um, give a whole new appreciation and look for it. That was honestly probably the most rewarding moments I've had in my career this far. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think that the, the last question I should ask is the pandemic. And since, you know, back in March or so, when everything was still in the process and not really shutting down, but there was a fear of something is going on, but there isn't, like, no one has really taken initiative. And then once the pandemic hit and then everything was shut down, especially in lockdown, how was it, especially as a wrestler, how, okay, in a easy way to say it, describe your pandemic experience as a wrestler, because I know as a wrestler, if you weren't uh, a WWE, or if you weren't contracted to a, you know, uh, WWE or AEW and had, you know, stuff like that, 
where you can actually go down to Florida and actually wrestle with them or you know, stuff like that. Everybody else was pretty much like in limbo. You know, there were shows that were going to be on WrestleMania weekend, had to cancel because, you know, stuff, you know, shit happened like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, oh, and also Impact too, because Impact. Yeah. Yeah. Impact is also, uh, it's up because Impact is all, is both an American wrestling company, but it's also based in Canada too. So they're both like kind of like the same thing. But yeah. The, it's odd because it, it's odd how sports really has gotten a better chance with the pandemic because, you know, if you're an actor, you kind of really share a lot because we don't have, unless you're working TV or working film production, the theater has no, we're literally on like, the last of our legs and we had to wait until January, February for everything to go back open because stuff that we had yeah. yeah, it's like stuff that we were waiting to do or now being put off until twenty twenty one because you know, you know, my job it was to deliver tickets and all that stuff and how can we how can I do that you know when all the theaters in New York City were shut down. And there are shows that were, you know, people, you know, just yesterday, Beetlejuice, the musical, had literally just shipped and loaded out everything so Hugh Jackman's, you know, uh, music band could actually go into theater. And early this year, that that was a big thing because, you know, it's like, oh, how can Beetlejuice be, you know, literally be kicked out of the curve, all that stuff. And again, that was the same thing what we were talking about before with the theater space is that we have to have, you know, theater space for rent, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, from a wrestling standpoint, or at least wrestling fan standpoint, the pandemic must, it was like hard for uh, for wrestlers because, you know, the people that you want, you know, and WrestleMania weekend will be a great place to actually get people to uh, to see and all that stuff too, because you have all these places doing like a bunch of shows that weekend. You know, especially if it was in the the city, WrestleMania would be hosting that sort of thing. But then when the pandemic happened, it's like all these places like literally closed down. You know, Mexico closed down, Canada closed down, and I know you just mentioned that. So yeah, from a wrestling standpoint, how? was working towards the pandemic especially when covid when the covid crisis hit you uh, america to where you were because i know you were like you were just said before you were in canada right as the the switch was about to go okay no one could go into canada no one could go out of canada same thing with america was like oh you know we're kind of like closed off essentially for now so, as a wrestler, what was it like uh, trying to do a career literally during a pandemic? So, right before the pandemic, I, I went on my first tour of Canada. I was there for about six and a half weeks. And um, I wrestled in Quebec, in Ontario, and Manitoba. Um, and I was wrestling two, three matches a night. We were traveling 20, 30, sometimes 40 hours on the road to the next show. Yeah. And, um, it was it was probably some of the most taxing um, times of, of my career thus far. And um, uh, the other side of that was um, we were we were traveling these um, these ice road communities that um, 
are closed off essentially from um, societal normal communities, not normal, but like they're, they're isolated communities. So essentially um, to get to some of these communities, you have to cross over frozen lakes and to cross oh, over wow. these frozen lakes, you're, you have to wait until it's about negative 25, negative 30 minimum. Oh, to, wow. to, yeah. To be able to cross over the lake and get to some of these communities. So we were traveling in Canada, sometimes negative 30, negative 40, negative 45 degrees. Um, unloading, you know, ring trucks, getting everything set up in that time. So uh, it was it was a very incredible uh, time to be working. And at this time, obviously, we weren't necessarily aware of it, but COVID was 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 spreading. It was happening yeah. at the time. Um, and uh, a couple of us got very very sick on that tour. Um, and uh, to this day, we don't know if uh, if it was COVID. I mean, like we I've gotten tested. Um, my antibody test came back negative, so I don't think yeah. I could have it. Um, but again, the timeline on these things is a little skewed. You don't necessarily know. Yeah. So um, we did all get very sick, but um, to just slowly put in one point about Canada before I get to the pandemic, just um, we were saying in terms of uh, giving Shakespeare to people, a new appreciation. Yeah. So these communities that we traveled to were um, uh, native tribal communities that um, uh -huh. they're, yeah. So they, um, they're very closed. And um, in some cases, some of these communities don't teach Shakespeare. Um, yeah. And uh, there were a few communities that we went that when I started doing my thing, like the eyes of the adults and the kids and everyone around me was like, I had just given them, uh, uh, I don't know, like I had just opened the door to a whole new thing, you know? And um, to, to really know that I was giving Shakespeare to people that had no association with it. And then for them to, you know, buy my eight by tens and my merchandise to remember this moment and cherish it that was incredibly rewarding to me. So I came, you know, out of, uh, you know, some of the most intense weeks of my career, you know, like I said, traveling all over Canada, wrestling in these ice road communities in negative 30, negative 40 degrees. Yeah. And I came home just before the country was shut down. And I went from wrestling two, three matches a night, being on the road 20, 30, 40 hours to literally nothing. Nothing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a mind game, you know, because uh, especially having uh, weeks on end of little sleep drives and, and matches to, to go from that. You know, you're, when you're in the moment, you love what you're doing so much. But then it's like those moments when, you know, you've wrestled four or five matches in the last two days and you've slept like, I don't know, three or four hours. And you're like, you know what? I'm just, when I get home and I lay on that bed, oh, am I going to love it, you know? Yeah. Like, but then you get home and you lay on the bed and it's like, oh my God, the country shut down. Like what's going on? So those first couple of weeks in March, uh, it was more like the disbelief, like, you know what, this isn't, this is, this will pass, you know? Yeah. By the time we got to the beginning of April, that's when things started really starting to sink in and be like, you know, WrestleMania is, is, is like it's, canceled, but it's still happening, but it's canceled, but it's like, yeah, yeah. it, it Especially, you know, it's odd because I just, you know, during March, I was still in school and I was graduating at the same time. So at the end of the semester, I was like, oh, graduated, and it's like all that stuff. But I didn't have the, the thing where I was building up for the past couple of years where I could just go, you know, walk down the aisle, with my cap and gown, get my diploma, shake the, uh, the dean's hand, yeah. president's hand. Go off stage, do like this, and then go back to my seat and then go home with my family. So 
when I got graduated, it was literally just me behind. It was just like Brian M. Davis. I'm like, it's like they literally just like they literally just showed my face and just like the first thing, okay. just like so. But it was nice to get that gratitude. But of course, it, it, it's odd because you know for the past several years, it's sort of like you and wrestling. For the past several years, I've been getting my education backwards. I, I had a long time I'm not going to school and all that stuff. So. For the past several years, I literally have been nothing doing but just school, work related stuff. And then over the past year, I've been getting, I have a job now. And it's like I started doing that stuff too. So it's like when March hit, especially as a student, and you're like stuck at home with your family, and you're doing stuff like this over Zoom, where it's like you know you're making story your classes on time, that sort of thing. It, it it's an odd sensation, but then it's like what you just said before. It's like I'm catching up on so much sleep, and my, my body's not tired all the time. Yeah. I've gained some weight again, you know yeah. that sort of thing. It's like, but then it's like by the time April was rolling around, it's like we knew something was really really going on, and then by the time May was like rolling around, it was like maybe by May it'll probably be better as a no and then by by the summer it's like we just started becoming a lot more better somewhere around especially New York and then by but we all knew we all know it's like by the time fall rolls around well that second wave hit and then was like as we're doing this like I'm recording this on October the 1st so if this has been me talking about a second wave and it has not happened. So, knock on wood, but fingers crossed, especially. But yeah, uh, especially as a wrestler, not, I mean, not as a wrestler, but for you as a wrestler, it had to be very, very taxing, especially since you know, you're very used to essentially being on the road for hours on end, days on end, and then by the time you get home for even for a day or two, and then it's just like, now you're just like, oh, I'm home now. It's like, well, I'm home indefinitely. Yeah. So it, it had, from a psychology standpoint, it had to be very weird because especially since it, it's weird to be at home all the time when you still could go out all that stuff, but now it's like things are starting to open up again. You know, there are wrestling, wrestling events popping up again even though it's now more limited capacity, that sort of thing. But compared to how it was earlier this year, did you see that like switch around where it's like, did you actually see everything becoming sort of back to normal-ish on the way becoming normal around this time? Or were you thinking, okay, maybe by January everything would be back to normal? I, I mean, you know, it's, it, from from my standpoint, like when I got back, like I, I live by myself. So I'm very close yeah. to my family. Like my family's in the neighborhood, but like I live by myself. So to be pretty much in a place where I have no alone time for like six, seven weeks, and then I come back and I'm just like by myself. Um, and of course, you're you're concerned, you're worried about going to see loved ones and everything else because you don't know, you know, yeah. you could be asymptomatic, whatever. So um, in general, that, that time was just very... Uh, disconcerting and nerve wracking, but at, you know, to go hand in hand with that, you know, the world doesn't stop. And the fact that you can turn on your TV and see what's happening with WrestleMania, yeah. what's happening with impact, um, those things are reassuring. And uh, um, WrestleMania in itself this year, personally, 
I was a fan of it. A lot, I know a lot of people had mixed feelings about it, but, um, you know, I thought it gave us a new experience that we wouldn't have had without the pandemic. And uh, if you were following some of those stories going into WrestleMania, um, one of the things I enjoyed the most was uh, a lot of the shit talking, you know, a lot of times in wrestling, especially on TV, you can't hear what these guys are saying to each other. And, yeah. you know, to be in a position where you're watching WrestleMania, which is the biggest show, the biggest buildup of everything that's happened this whole year. And now you're seeing these guys, uh, conflicts and rivalries come to fruition in a new way where in the moment they're really, go they're really jawjacking each other and, and things are building. It was, it was a new experience. So between um, those style matches happening and then obviously the Undertaker, AJ Styles, new cinematic way of working, like yeah. that was a whole new um, introduction. And a lot of uh, promotions have now adapted that style because yeah. obviously within the pandemic, it's very hard to do these, these shows. But, um, you know, that was, that was very hopeful to see things like that and say, you know what, as, as screwed up as the world is right now, there are, there are lights at the end of these tunnels, you know? Yeah. And um, by the time we got to the middle of summer, you know, when you're watching, uh, you know, um, AW and like dark and you see a lot of guys get opportunities on there. Um, yeah. It's, it's very, it's very hopeful to know that if you're in a place where you wake up every day and you know, you know what, maybe I can't do this. Maybe I can't do that, but I can get up. I can make sure I'm feeling good. I can make sure I'm ready. I can make sure I'm staying ready and I'm, and I'm ready to go if I get that phone call, you know, like that's the mentality that I've kept. So, and technically I am still the inaugural uh, heavyweight champion of new evolution wrestling, which is an upcoming promotion. So knowing that like I, I am, you know, actively working i'm still representing a company i i just came back from canada you know i wrestled in puerto rico last year i won a title down there i have a lot of things that are keeping me um focused in saying you know what uh, as screwed up as things are right now like i i'm i'm focused and i know what i want to accomplish so you know, and especially not having gyms or anything like that it, it humbles you a lot because you have to work with the circumstances you're given and it's like anything else in life something happens to you it'll either crush you define you or you'll overcome it right so yeah. the pandemic the pandemic happened to everyone and everyone's been hit by it in different ways and uh you know it, this fall and especially the winter going into next year it's it's going to be very telling and it's going to overcome some people define some people and some people are going to you know are going to come out of it stronger and i've been focused on making sure that i come out of this as strong as possible and as long as I keep my goals uh, uh, in line and I keep myself focused, I'm confident that I'm going to get where I need to get to by the end of this year. So as hard as it's been to um, stay focused and hungry within the pandemic, um, you have to find the, the things that keep you, um, that keep you inspired. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I keep my eyes on all the different products of wrestling. I make sure that, you know, I'm ready and I'm, um, accessible for the safe opportunities that have come my way thus far. And, um, you know, fingers crossed that we can all come out of the stronger and wrestling, theater, the arts, whatever, like everything kind of comes and doesn't necessarily uh, become what it was, but becomes an evolutionized version of what it can be now, you know, because I think that even after you know, things start getting better. There's going to be a lot of fear. You know, people are not going to be as comfortable going to live events as they were, you know, yeah. even though, you know, you have things like gyms opening and shows happening at small capacity, you can see that there is still a lot of fear about 
what's going to happen. And this, especially since we're entering the fall, we don't know what uh, is going to be with the second wave. But I, you know, as long as we can all take the standpoint of um, keeping ourselves safe and, and keeping focused on whatever our goals are, you know, I think that as individuals, as a country, we'll all come out of it stronger. So. Yeah. And it's like we just said before, there is a light in the, in the, at the end of the tunnel where it's like you have these companies like the WWE doing more cinematic matches where it's like, you know, AJ versus Undertaker and they recently, you know, uh, Ray Wyatt versus John Cedar, uh, Braun again versus Ray Wyatt in a Swamp Yard match. I think that was, yeah. And then you have Impact doing the same thing almost where it's like they're doing like a very luchador underground, I mean, Ucha underground style, yeah. yeah, where they like they're emulating that style, and then they have this whole subplot during the summer called Wrestler House, where it's like a bunch of their wrestlers were just stuck in the house, almost like in a very reality-based thing. And with AEW, they have you know being the elite, and you know it's our, it's like even though there isn't much to do with theater or movies for that effect, you know video games. That's a different story. Yeah, video games, you know, I'm still catching up on my video games too. But as someone who is an actor, it's just very inspiring to see wrestling to put out not only weekly shows, especially on TV. You know, WWE, they put out like four or five shows a week. And that's depending on which show you watch. A&E is doing, AEW is doing two shows a week. You know, they filmed probably, and they and they said they filmed dark, like after the after the uh, the like Dynamite is filmed too. So, yeah. or maybe even before Dynamite. And then you have Impact too, who is filming like a month or a month worthy of shows within a week, so people don't have to to do this like yeah. come back and forth, especially if they're coming from Canada too, which is yeah. not, you know, I can. There was another question I wanted to ask you, but I pretty, you know, it's like another probably a question you could probably go into uh, another thing, which is basically, you know, uh, the other question I was going to ask you before that was like, especially working in both Canada and Puerto Rico, is, is like, how would those two styles differ, especially since, you know, Puerto Rican wrestling is very vastly different than to how Canada is in terms of their wrestling. Yeah. especially in terms of American, but that's like, again, that's a, like a whole conversation for another day, especially. But I, yeah. I can give, give you a super quick three sentence answer to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> like Puerto Rico is like notorious for being like one of the most hardcore territories in, in yeah. the world. So um, the audience there has a very specific desire in terms of what they want to see. In terms they want to see blood and guts. Yeah, but again, I'm not, I'm not really a blood and guts guy. I am, yeah. I am but I am a performance artist. I am the renaissance of wrestling and I am better than the bloody guts in terms of what that is. So over there, um, it's for what I bring to the table, it's more, more comedy that pushes the line of really wanting to hate you. Not gotcha. necessarily, you know what I mean? In yeah. Canada, it was um, getting that response of uh, um, having people that don't, necessarily know Shakespeare and working that in a way that gets them to hate me, but also gets them to have an appreciation for it. So yeah. the, the styles are different in terms of what I'm giving, but at the end of the day, they're all stemming from the same thing. It's yeah. just a matter of knowing your audience and knowing what buttons you have to push here as opposed to there to get the reaction you want. 
And I think with that notion, especially with the, uh, we, we, I think with that notion, I could just wrap up today's episode. It, it's gotta be a very long episode, so. I'm sorry about that, I talked a lot. Oh no, I, I love it when my guests and I talk for like hours on end. <laughs> and, and, but also, like I said before, theater and wrestling go hand in hand, especially in terms of where it, it, it's almost like the bastard stepchild of the theater. Where it's Absolutely. like, I couldn't say it better myself. Absolutely. 100%. It's like, it's like you have your wrestling and then you have your theater and it's almost like the same thing where it's like, you, but in wrestling, there's a lot, it's like you, 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 there's a lot more leeway than in, in theater. At least in theater, it is a set ground rules. Like everything is more set, that sort of thing. Exactly. In wrestling, things can go off the rail as soon as the mask can start. So, <laughs> but it, it, you have a great amount of knowledge, especially in terms of both Shakespeare and also uh, theater. And I love the fact that you're doing a lot of, Shakespearean style of I want to say like Machiavellian, but it's like close to like that in terms of your character. And oh, I do have three other questions that are left. Uh, I think you've already answered a advice. Like the you kind of like answer your advice question like before, especially when you were talking. But uh, do can we expect anything from you in the next coming of months, especially um, going forward into twenty twenty one? Absolutely. So um, I'm returning to Test of Strength um, in Connecticut on October <clears throat> on October 24th, um, and I'm wrestling in a tag match uh, with Ty Shine against Anthony Michaels and a mystery opponent. And um, we got some rivalry there because, like I said, uh, I made my in-ring return to Test of Strength this past weekend, and things didn't necessarily go according to plan, so I know that the audience definitely got a definitely got their money's worth in terms of the intensity that we brought. And I know that they're going to be looking forward to seeing what's going to be happening when we return. So I know that that's going to be October 4th. And then October 18th, I'm doing another taping um, in Marvel, New York. Uh, and um, going into November, um, I I've kind of left things up in the air just because again, we were in this place where the second wave could potentially be hitting. And I yeah. don't necessarily want to be committing to things and then pulling out because of what's happening. So um, middle of October, I have those couple of things happening. Um, depending on how October looks going into the next two weeks, I might um, open up November a little bit more. Um, and uh, I am potentially scheduled to go back to Canada maybe be the beginning of next year, as long as things are, um, are looking better. So yeah. to, to answer that question is I have some things going on in October, and as long as um, – the second wave doesn't look like it's coming on strong and we can get into a better looking next year. Um, hopefully I'll make my way back to Canada and into some new promotions and you'll be seeing some exciting things from the Renaissance in wrestling. Nice. And my last question is fairly easy. Uh, do you have any uh, social media that you want to plug? Absolutely. So if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, that's my most active uh, social media page, which is um, Hamlet Hurts, as in I'm going to hurt you if you get it wrong. Um, <laughs> And then uh, like me on Facebook, Hamlet Hurts You, H-U-R-T-S-S-U-E. And uh, we do have a Twitter. Uh, haven't really worked it too much because I'm not a huge fan of Twitter, but we're definitely going to be more active on that in the coming months. And that is also at Hamlet Hurts. So join all the social media platforms for all your Renaissance and wrestling needs. <coughs> oh, sorry, folks. But yeah, that was episode nine of season three. This may or may not be the season finale unless I'm able to get a guest I've been trying to work on for the next episode, but 
again, knock on wood, but this is the season finale. I hope you enjoy season three. If not, just enjoy this episode with Cameron Hirsch. But yeah, thank you again for being on the show. And thank you so much for having me. Of course. Take care, everyone. Stay safe and be well.